Today, we'll start by telling you which two Gators offensive players I think are breakout candidates in 2022. We'll look at how the 2021-22 Gators would have matched up with Todd Golden's analytics thresholds, and we'll wrap up with why, with what this Florida Gators women's basketball team will look like next season, only here on Locked On Gators. You are Locked On Gators, your daily podcast on the Florida Gators. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Locked On Gators, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for making Locked On Gators your first listen of the day. We are available daily and free wherever you listen to podcasts. Happy Friday. I am Brandon Olson. You can find me on Twitter at WNS underscore Brandon. You can find all my written work with Whole Nine Sports. Before we get into the content, just going to ask you to like and subscribe this channel on YouTube, or if you're listening to audio, then subscribe there. Leave a comment, leave a review, let me know how I can make the show better. Finally got some feedback, so going to keep working on that. But uh, we're going to get right into the content today, and we're going to talk about two offensive players that I think are poised for breakouts in 2022 for this Florida Gators football team. It's a new coach. It's a new system. It's a new scheme. Florida has a few players that I think are big breakout players for this coming season or big breakout candidates for this coming season on the offensive side and defensive side of the ball. But again, today we're just going to focus on the offense and I don't want this to be a, uh, one of those videos where people are like, Oh, they're going to be a breakout candidate because they never played and they're getting a chance to play now. Um, that, that's not what this is like. I'm not going to say Marcus Burke because he barely played last year or Nick Elksness, who both of those guys I think will be contributors, but I, I don't think that really qualifies them as breakout candidates if they never played. So in order to qualify for this, you've got to play roughly at least 25% of the snaps for the season. So that's about 225 snaps or more. So it's rotational guys or starters that I think are just being put in better position to succeed this year. And the first one is a starter that I think will be put in a better position to succeed this year. And that is wide receiver Justin Shorter. This could be an obvious one, but I've said before, I think Anthony Richardson will be the starting quarterback for the Florida Gators in fall 2022. I I think that that's been made established by me that I think that's who it will be. I've also said that I think Anthony Richardson will quickly find Justin Shorter to be a favorite, if not the favorite target of his, because Anthony Richardson has struggled with accuracy. That is a statement of fact, not opinion. So if you're going to go in the comments, he's more accurate. No, he's not. Like, you could look at the film, you could look at the stats, you could look at analytics, whatever you want to look at. Anthony Richardson was not accurate in 2022. He might, in 2021, he might have made the right decision a lot of times, and the ball just didn't get there, but that's, again, his accuracy. So don't bother telling me if you think I'm wrong, because I don't care. I know I'm right that he struggled with accuracy issues. And what do you get for someone who struggles with accuracy issues? You get big bodied receivers or people with big catch radiuses. And that's exactly what Justin Shorter is. He's a big-bodied receiver that will not hesitate to go make a play on the ball. And he has a massive catch radius. He does not care where that ball is. He's going to go up and get it, or he's going to go down and get it. AR is going to find a lot more success if he targets Justin Shorter more often. And I think Anthony Richardson's a smart enough dude to be like, hey, things work when I throw the ball to Justin Shorter. So I'm going to continue to do that and continue to focus on that. So Justin Shorter, I think, I think we could see Justin Shorter crack that 
that 800-yard, eight-touchdown mark in 2022. And that's big. He had 550 yards and just three touchdowns last season. Of course, he gradually saw more playing time as we've been on because previous regime, uh, they were hesitant to play new players, uh, just regardless of whether we knew they were good or not. Justin Shorter is someone who will play a lot in this system. I think he's going to be great in the system as a blocker. He's going to really open things up for the running game, uh, and, I, and I think he's going to be a big-time player in the passing game here. He might not have you know 20 yards per catch, but he could be a 13, 14-yard per catch kind of guy. 800 yards, 8 touchdowns. That's, that's a solid season out here. So that's going to be big. I think Justin Shorter will be a breakout candidate. That's my safe pick for a breakout candidate. The other guy to talk about here that we're going to talk about today is Naquan Wright. Um, You guys know how I feel about Naquan Wright. I love what he can do. I think he's going to be a big-time player in this offense. But right now, he's dealing with an ankle injury. Last season, he dealt with injury here and there. And he was dealing with that rotational role last season of being the third guy with Damian Pierce and Malik Davis. And last year's running back rotation didn't really seem to have any rhyme or reason aside from Damian Pierce's getting it on the goal line. That was pretty much the only thing that we knew would happen with this rotation. Everything else, was, it was very erratic, I'll say. Uh, but we're going to look at Naquan Wright for this coming season. And I think when you look at Naquan Wright, it's like, yes, running backs are going to rotate a lot as well this season. In fact, I think we're going to see more running backs rotate more often. I think we'll see four backs rotate relatively evenly but I think that Naquan Wright is going to fill a very important role in this offense as the pass catching back and I've said that I think we'll see Naquan Wright work out of the slot quite a bit this year not that he's going to be you know a 100 catch guy out of the slot but Billy Napier likes to work with putting the slot in motion and Naquan Wright could be that guy where you could hand it off to him and he can make a big play on the ground or you can even throw the ball to him He's, he's shown that he can be an explosive runner you know, we look at him and, you know, he had, he had 76 carries last year. He had 14 catches for 90 total touches last year. I would expect him to be getting 100 plus carries this year and 25 or even 30 catches if he stays healthy. The name of the game in the wide zone, which is what the Florida Gators are going to run this year, the wide zone offense. The name of the game in the wide zone is to get guys in space and let them create plays. And Naquan Wright was stellar last season at creating yardage out of seemingly nothing. You know, and, and I've seen people talk about his yards per carry as 4.2 yards per carry at college isn't great. First of all, the offensive line was terrible, and Naquan Wright made the best of his opportunities. Yeah, he had 4.2 yards per carry. But do you know what percentage of his yards came after contact? Because I do. The answer is 77% of Naquan Rice's yards last year came after contact. That is an insane clip. And Naquan Wright, with better blocking this season, with a better scheme this season, and being put in better situations this season, should erupt across this entire offense. He's a big breakout player. So I'm going to say it's Justin Shorter and Naquan Wright are the biggest breakout candidates on the offensive side of the ball for this season. Like I said, I'm not including Anthony Richardson. He's, he's a starting, he's a quarterback that went from backup to likely starting quarterback. I'm not including Keon Zipperer because he's a backup that went to likely starting quarterback. Naquan Wright was a rotational player last year, and Justin Shorter was a starter for about half the season last year. So I think Justin Shorter and Naquan Wright are perfect fits for this offense. I think that they are going to be put in phenomenal position to succeed. And we're going to look at how some 2021 Gators performed compared to Todd Golden's analytic thresholds. But first, I'm going to talk to you guys about Bill Bar because it is spring break time. 
And, it, it, you know, spring break time means summer is right around the corner. It is so much closer than people even realize. I got a vacation at the end of June, and guess what? That is less than three months away. So I need to be on my diet stuff right here, and that, that's exactly what I'm doing with Built Bar. Built Bar is the way that I hit my sweet tooth craving because you guys know at this point I've got a horrid, horrid sweet tooth, but Built Bar is coated in 100% chocolate. So that makes it great tasting for me. Most bars have 130 calories and just four net carbs, which is the primary thing I care about when I'm looking at any nutrition facts, along with 17 grams of protein. Throughout the hidden stashes, Reese's in the desk drawer, Kit Kat in the cupboard, Skittles, wherever you hide them, I don't care. Um, and get Built Bar so you don't have to sneak around. Built Bar is always coming out with new limited time flavor so you'll never get bored. Use promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off of your next order. Thanks again. For making Lockdown Gators your first listen of the day, we are available daily and free wherever you listen to podcasts. We're going to take a look at Todd Golden and his his analytic thresholds and how they match up with the Florida Gators from 2021-2022 season. I did this on Monday or Tuesday. Uh, I believe it was Tuesday. So I did this on Tuesday's episode where we were talking about the numbers that Todd Golden has that he wants people to hit. And I looked at how the team carried against them. Now I'm going to take a look at how individuals kind of match up with those numbers. And and I realize I've been calling them, them thresholds, but I think that might be too, uh, too harsh might be the right word. Um, I feel like thresholds indicate that if you don't hit those numbers, then you're, then you don't have a spot here. Uh, I, I don't think that's true. I think it's more of target numbers for coach golden to hit first one. And I think the most important one is effective field goal percentage. This wasn't a number that really Coach Golden gave a number for, a target for, but in his presentation, 43.8% was the number that popped up, and he was like, hey, that that's a good number. So that is the number that I am using as my target point. So Florida crushed it here. They only had two players that played all season that did not hit those numbers. And by played all season, I mean played at any point, not played consistently throughout the entirety of the season. So Florida had two players that didn't hit this target goal. That was Elijah Golden and Alex Klatsky did not hit 45%. They were the only two below 45% there, or they were the only two before below that 43.8% uh, mark. They only took a combined 61 shots this season, though, so not a big worry for me there. The highest effective field goal percentage was Anthony Deruji and then Niles Lane and then Colin Castleton. And that's not super surprising because we look at effective field goal percentage and it's effective, <laughs> it's effectively, and it's pretty much just your field goal percentage with a weighted target for three point uh, percentage or three points made. And neither of those guys really attempted many threes, so it wouldn't affect their percentage much. So of course, the guys that live around the rim had a higher effective field goal percentage there. The lowest effective field goal percentage that did hit the threshold of 43.8% was Flan Fleming, who uh, he had 44.2%. He was a very inefficient shooter. I, I, I think that Todd Golden would hate his style of play. Way, way, way too many mid-range jumpers. And I think that's really killer for Flan Fleming, where we look at, oh, you know, mid-range jumpers are relatively inefficient shots. And we look at the guy who shot, I believe, the most mid-range jumpers on this team. And surprisingly enough, he's got one of the worst effective field goal percentages on the team from 2021-2022 season. And again, effective field goal percentage is your field goals made plus, and then you put parentheses, and it's 0.5 times your field goal, your three-pointers made 
close parentheses, over free over field goals attempted. So it's just a it's just adding a weight to your three pointers made. The next number that we're looking at is free throw rate. That number should be above 35%. Your free throw rate is your free throws attempted divided by your field goals attempted. So it's a much easier number to break up there, but it's your free throws attempted divided by your free, divided by your field goals attempted. And the frequency of success here was much lower for the Florida Gators, which which does make sense and I'll and I'll get to it, but they only had a few players hit that target. Colin Castleton, Flan Fleming, Tyree Appleby, Niles Lane, and Gatkick. And Gatkick hit all those numbers, uh, hit the free throw rate number. It's kind of obvious, I think, because when you look at who were the primary ball handlers in the paint, it was Colin Castleton. It was Tyree Appleby driving. It was um, Niles Lane off of putbacks and and just getting offensive rebounds, putting the ball back up, whether you consider that a putback or you consider a putback dunk a putback. I don't care. But they, they all did those things. Like They did that a lot. Flan Fleming was great on the offensive board. So it's all players that contributed in the paint that really hit that free throw rate because the other players were on the perimeter shooting jumpers. And it's less common to get fouled on jumpers than it is to get fouled in the paint. So obviously guys that attacked the paint well were guys that got to the free throw line fairly often. The next number is three point is three pointers attempted percentage. So that's how many of your total field goal attempt were three pointers. And Again, there wasn't really a number that Todd Golden gave here, but he did say that when his team shot 47% uh, 47% of their shots from three, they led all of D1 college basketball. So I've set the target at 40%. I, I think that would be a solid above average target to go for. And Florida had everybody hit that number except for four people. Colin Castleton, Anthony DeRuji, Niles Lane, and Gutkick. And I, I think that's very fair. I think that should be expected because... I mean, those guys don't really shoot threes at all. <laughs> like that, like they they live around the rim, and I think that's totally fair. I think that's fine. I didn't think Flan Fleming would be here because I thought he shot too many mid range jumpers, but he was on this list. Um, but I, I I think it's expected that the big men do not hit that target. Uh, and again, I realize that a lot of people are like, oh, it's it's, it's weird that um, it, it, or not a lot of people, but some people will be like, it's weird that. Players like Colin Castleton isn't necessarily a totally efficient player and that you would want to weight three-pointers attempted percentage, but don't forget the most efficient shots are around the rim twos and catch and shoot threes. So threes are very important, but there's also around the rim twos that matter a ton. And you don't need every player to hit this target. This is These are team thresholds that he set that I am just breaking down to the individual. You don't need every player to hit these targets. As a team, though, you want to hit these targets. With the three-pointers, attempted percentage, it's it's hard, I think, to hit both the free throw rate and the three-pointers attempted percentage just because it, it's hard to be a player that lives at the rim enough to get to the free throw line but also takes a lot of threes. So I think that's very hard to be someone that gets both of those, which is why we see very few layover with those. Florida Gators did, however, have two players that hit the effective field goal percentage mark hit the free throw rate mark, and hit the three-pointers attempted percentage mark. That was Flynn Fleming and Tyree Appleby. And it's so wild to me because analytically, when you look at the analytics, they hit the mark on all the shooting things. But when you watch the games, 
it is so difficult to watch them and say, oh, they're playing good basketball, like they're playing efficient basketball. But they hit all those marks. And it's it's weird that, yes, they are analytic dreams as shooters, but they are scorers, I'll say. But they're not analytic dreams, given that they're both very turnover-heavy players. It's, it's nearly impossible for me to get the turnover percentage because I'd have to divide their turnovers by the times that they touch the ball. Um, and that's very difficult to figure out. So I can't get that. But they are turnover-heavy players. I know that their turnover rate is way too high. And uh, I, I think that, uh, that yeah, they, they hit the analytic dreams for shooting, but I don't think that they hit the analytic dreams for anything else really in terms of, I mean, maybe offensive rebound percentage for Flan Fleming, but yeah, they, they are, in a nutshell, they're efficient, but they're also very inefficient in many ways. We're going to get to the Florida Gators women's basketball team and what they will look like this coming season. But first, I'm going to talk to you guys about our next partner and our newest partner is they have a product that I use literally every day. I started taking athletic greens because while I've been trying to eat healthier, it's hard sometimes to eat healthy, work out, and still get all of the vitamins and nutrients that you need while also working all day because sometimes you're in a time crunch and it's like, well, I just got to eat whatever quick garbage I can get and or you order out and there's not usually a ton of vitamins and nutrients there. So it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition, especially heading back into flu and cold season. It's just one scoop in a wa- one scoop in a cup of water every day, and that's it. No need to get a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash college. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash college to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Anybody else make money this weekend? I did. It was it was a great weekend for me. Uh, Bet online is where I've gone for years. I think Wow, like, I think this is our five-year anniversary for Bet Online. So, so there's that. Um, BetOnline.net is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. Florida, not super efficient when we look at efficiency. So Florida is not super efficient on BetOnline, but hey, that's the name of the game. BetOnline.net covers award shows, TV shows, and reality TV with real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine it's the best way to place your bets and it's 100% free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today. That's always how I do it. You guys know, and that is how I will continue to do it. BetOnline.net is where the game starts and it's where you're going to go after the game to check out just how much money you won. To wrap up today's show, we're talking about the future of Florida Gators women's basketball because now that the season is officially over for the Florida Gators women's basketball team, Kiki Smith is gone. Um, she's one of those players where she said when she got injured uh, in the SEC tournament game, she was like, yeah, my, my season's done. It's been real Gator Nation, but I'm done. Emanuele Giolivera, I believe, will be gone. Uh, she might have an extra year of COVID eligibility, just given that she was in Brazil during that time. And I'm, I'm not really sure how things are working right now. But I believe she's done. I believe Christina Moore is also out of eligibility. Zippy Brutton, I believe, has one more additional year of eligibility. 
And given everything she's said since the game, since the uh, UCF game when Florida got eliminated, given everything she's said, I think she'll be returning for another year in Gainesville, which is big. Nina Rickards will be back for her senior season as a Florida Gator. And I'll say that right now I'm expecting a much more aggressive player offensively. We kind of saw it against UCF. We kind of saw Nina just go, you know what? Like, like I need to step up for this team. And so Nina Rickards, she, she did that against UCF. I think we're going to see a much more player, a much more aggressive player offensively. Um, she kind of sat back a lot this year while Kiki Smith did her thing as a primary ball handler, but I think Nina Rickards and Zibby Broughton will be the, the the primary ball dominant players for the Florida Gators this coming season, which I'm excited for. Jordan Merritt will be back for just her junior year. So we've got two more years of Jordan Merritt in Gainesville, provided that she does not transfer out. So Jordan Merritt will be back for her junior year. Faith Dute will be coming back for her senior year. And I will also say with Faith Dute, um, it wouldn't surprise me if Floor Tonders kind of took over that role as a starting center. Just, I, I feel like they're kind of comparable, but Faith Dute, you get a little bit more uh, offense and scoring. But I feel like Floor Tonders, you kind of get, you not even kind of, you get a good deal of better rebounding with Floor Tonders. So I think that's important to look at. And I, I think you look at the core nucleus right now of Nina Rickards, Zippy Broughton, Jordan Merritt, and either Faith Dute or Flo, Floor Tonders as the four of the five starters. I don't think you put Dute and Tonders on the field on the court at the same time, because I think that's kind of taking away a ton of spacing there. And while you're probably going to kill on the rebounds, you're taking away a ton of spacing and kind of putting your team in a rough spot. Uh, I could expect someone like Alberte Rimdahl or Talia Weish to be taking that final starting spot. Although I do think it would be Talia um, just because Alberta Rimdahl is, is, she's such a good shooter. She is. But she's a, a bit of a one-trick pony right now, and I, I think that really limits her. Uh, so I, I think she needs to develop as a ball handler and have better shot-creating ability. And by a ball handler, I don't mean just someone who can actually dribble. I mean someone who can, can make those decisions on the fly while dribbling and make quick, concise passes, where she kind of tends to just dribble until she either shoots the ball or has to pass the ball. And I'd like to see her kind of pick that up a little bit and it's also important to talk about Coach Kelly Ray Finley because she's shown that she wants a good scorer off the bench. And I think that would be the perfect role for Alberta Rimbell's sophomore season next year. Bryn Farrell and Jariah Warren will have expanded roles off the bench too. And looking at incoming Gators, the Gators are bringing in Micah Perry, a 5'11", or Mika Perry, a 5'11 combo guard out of Norman, Oklahoma. And by pretty much every account you can find, Perry's the type of player that could eventually fill that Kiki Smith role because Kiki Smith, of course, was was everything. I've compared her to to the Russell Westbrook of our team. She's uh, but like the good Russell Westbrook, the OKC Big Three Russell Westbrook when it was Russell, KD, and James Harden. Kiki Smith is our Russell Westbrook, where she's she's attacking the rim, she's shooting, she's distributing the ball, she's getting steals, she's rebounding, she's doing everything, and. Mika Perry's kind of, kind of that. Um, she can attack the rim. She can shoot. She can distribute. She is an aggressive defender, specifically with steals, whether it's playing the passing lanes or going on ball. She's an aggressive defender that can create turnovers, and that's big for the Florida Gators. Uh, rebounding, not so much, but 
I, I'm tired of asking guards to rebound. We we need bigs that can rebound because I'm tired of Nina Rickards leading the team and rebounding at so many points. It's like, come on, like so, someone grab a ball somewhere. Uh, the Gators also have a 6-1 German forward coming in, Frieda Buner. I'm hoping I didn't demolish that pronunciation. She's joining the team next year. She's someone who can play early, and I think she will play early. She already has national team experience at just 17 years old. She's not a great scorer, which is why I would like to see her play early also, because she's not the type to focus on. Like, she doesn't take a ton of shots. Like, she's not a great scorer because she's shooting 12%. She doesn't shoot a lot to begin with, whether it's from two or three. She does get to the free throw line, so that's good. But she is a good rebounder and a hustle player and a shot blocker that I I think she's going to be a fan favorite, like, immediately. Because, like I said, she's she's a hustle player, a rebounder, shot blocker. She's going to be the type that makes the dirty plays happen. And once she steps on the court, I think Florida fans are going to fall in love with what she can do. Thanks again for making Lock Thank It is your first listen of the day. Every day we are available daily and free wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll be back Monday with more on your Florida Gators, but check out the YouTube page tomorrow because I will be releasing my full interview with Florida Gators linebacker David Reese. Now- Second listen, Locked on NFL Draft, Ryan Tracy and former NFL cornerback Eric Crocker bring the NFL Draft to life every day with insight and analysis on college football prospects like Kyrie Elam and NFL front offices like where Kyrie Elam might be a fit. For Lockdown Gators, I'm Brandon Olson. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter. That is WNS underscore Brandon. And you can find all my written work with Whole Nine Sports. That is W-H-O-L-E-N-I-N-E Sports. And I will see you all Monday.